Welcome to the Voices of Aging podcast, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group, or ASIC, a student-led collaborative organization for the study of aging at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we feature guests working in different aging-related areas, and they share their experiences and wisdom. We release two episodes every month, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to learn more about aging every time you hit play. This is Madeline with the Voices of Aging podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Mohiba Tureen. Dr. Tureen is a board-certified dermatologist, as well as founder and medical director of Tureen Dermatology with multiple clinic locations in the Twin Cities. I was fortunate enough to work with Dr. Tureen as a medical assistant before starting medical school, and I'm so lucky to call her a mentor throughout my medical training. So thank you, Dr. Tureen, for being here. Um, and We're really excited to have you. Thank you for having me on, Madeline. I am so proud of you, my friend. Madeline Howard is your amazing host, and she is a very successful medical school student, and she has inspired many people after her to go to medical school. So I'm very proud of you, Madeline. So thank you for having me on. I think this is a great topic. We all have aging skin. Right now, your skin is aging. So there are so many things we can do to keep you healthy, keep you fresh, help your skin through the ages. Thank you so much. I know I gave you a pretty brief introduction, uh, but one of the purposes of this podcast is for any students out there who might be interested in um, entering a career in medicine or who are interested in dermatology. So we'd love if you could share a little bit about your background and your training. So I'm honored to be a board-certified dermatologist. The road that brought me to dermatology is undergraduate, my undergraduate degree, was in um, was at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I did a double major in religion and biology. And I thought that was really beneficial because I was able to have a humanities background, keep reading, keep analyzing literature. That's really helpful for medical school students. You're going to be reading literature and, and studies all through your career, and it's really helpful to have that humanities background. It also, I think, makes me a more empathetic doctor. So I'm really a big fan of going into medical school with not just a science background. My medical degree was at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. I was honored to be at the top of the class there, was one of the top five female graduating medical school students and um, the number one uh, academic student of Indian descent there. Residency was um, at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, uh, again, I think it's really nice for people who are going into medicine to have disparate medical school and residency because you'll learn a lot during medical school and the ethos of your hospital and how they treat things. It's nice to then have a completely different residency. So having medical school in Ann Arbor and residency in New York, I really am able to approach things from both a Midwest and an East Coast perspective. So if any of you guys are looking at residencies, try to look outside your home institution. After residency, I did a competitive procedural dermatology fellowship. Um, procedural dermatology means laser surgery, kind of more um, hands-on things. So uh, then I practiced in New York City for a couple years. I now serve as the expert dermatologist for WikiHow and for Everyday Health. So um, I'm honored to serve on those uh, with those institutions. Wonderful. I'm always 
in awe of all of your accomplishments and your training. It's so impressive. Why did you pick dermatology out of all of the medical specialties? In my humble opinion, dermatology is the best for myriad reasons. Number one, and Madeline has seen this when she worked with me for two years and patients loved her, we as dermatologists get to see all ages. So I see babies with rashes, I see 102-year-olds with skin cancers, and I see everybody in between. I literally am honored to have four generations of families. So, you know, you take care of the great-grandma, the grandma, the mom with some Botox, and the kids with acne. So it's really fun that we are the primary doctors of skin. So for those of you who are interested in being, you know, kind of the front line, you see everything in dermatology. I also really like being able to diagnose things with my eyes. You don't have to have a CT scan or an MRI. For the most part, we as dermatologists kind of know what it is before we biopsy it. We just take that biopsy as a confirmation. Number three, dermatology is super procedural. So you're talking, but you're also doing a biopsy. You're also doing surgery. You're also doing filler. You're also doing Botox. So you're making people healthier with no cancers or precancers, but you're also making them more beautiful. So it's so multifaceted. Um, If anybody's interested in dermatology, I highly support it. Delving into our main topic now, um, let's talk about skin aging What is it? What causes it? What can you tell us? So, you know, our skin is our largest body organ. And just like everything in life, aging is multifactorial. So there's genetics, there's exogenous factors. Genetics, you know, of course, if you're darker skin, sometimes skin ages a little slower. If you're lighter skin, sometimes we're more prone to um, uh, UV damage. So let's come to one of the biggest exogenous factors of aging, which is sun exposure. UV light and UV exposure age your skin more quickly than it would naturally. This results in what is called photoaging, and it is responsible for 90% of visible changes to your skin. That's right, Madeline. 90% of visible changes to our skin are due to sun damage. UV light damages skin cells. It contributes to premature aging like sunspots, and then this increases our risk for skin cancer. 10% of our other exogenous skin aging is due to different light, heat factors that we um, are exposed to. So high energy, visible light, infrared light, different blue lights from computers, all of these things can age us as well. Smartphones, you don't want to keep those on your face at all times, you young people. (laughs) So these forms of light don't increase skin cancer risk, but they do affect collagen and elastin and skin elasticity. Other environmental and lifestyle factors other than these different lights, smoking, the toxins and nicotine can alter the cells in our skin. These break down collagen, leading to sagging, wrinkling, and a hollow, gaunt face. An unhealthy diet. Few studies have shown diets high in sugar and refined carbohydrates, those high glycemic foods. These can cause premature aging. Conversely, diets high in fruits, vegetables, and antioxidants, these can help with premature aging. Alcohol. Drinking too much alcohol not only boxes our liver, it also boxes our skin. It dehydrates, it damages our skin over time. Poor sleep. I'm definitely one who doesn't get enough sleep, and I know that this ages me, so I'm trying. This is something that I'm trying. I'm trying to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Excellent sleep can increase our collagen production. It increases our cell turnover. It helps with cell renewal. It helps those telomeres not shorten. So definitely get your sleep. And stress, as a medical school student, Madeline, you know all about stress, my friend. So when you're stressed, 
your brain pumps out cortisol from your hypothalamic pituitary access. This blocks substances that can keep your skin from looking vibrant and plump. You've cited a lot of different reasons, a lot of different causes for skin aging. What can we do in order to prevent aging from happening? Um, what are maybe some of like, I don't know, maybe like the top three things that we could be doing? Sounds great. Um, so since so much of aging is due to UV light, so much of preventable aging is due to UV light, UV exposure, number one, be careful with your sun exposure. Everything in life is moderation, but you don't want to be tanning yourself in the midday sun between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. You know, really kind of use your sunscreen, get in the habit of wide brim hats. They're really in. Get your big sunglasses. Opt for UV protection that's SPF 30 or higher, Okay. Also, number one, in that, avoid tanning beds. You may feel great while you're in it, but it's really prematurely aging you. And even one tanning bed exposure can increase your risk for melanoma by over 30%. Number two, stop smoking. Smoking is also very preventable, extensively ages you. Number three, take care of your skin. We'll talk about this further on your podcast, but if you can start some topical retinoids, if you can start some topical antioxidants now, your skin will look so much better later on. Now I've been a dermatologist almost almost 20 years, Madeline, and I see my patients who started their Retin-A, who started doing just a couple chemical peels a year, and they literally look 25 years younger than their age and sex-matched cohorts. So it's all about prevention now. I know a lot of people always wonder if it's too late. If, if someone already has wrinkles, if they already have sunspots, other signs of aging, is it too late or what can we do? It's never too late. Again. As a dermatologist, I take care of old, a lot of old people, and it's never too late. I will see a patient who's 85 years old, and it says to me, Dr. Tareen, I'm not loving how my skin looks. What can I do? And I start them on a relatively simple regimen, and they come back six months later, and they, they really feel much better about themselves. And it's all about how when we look better, we sometimes feel better. And it sucks that that's true, but we need to know that that is a truth in life, and it's never too late. So a couple things that you can do that are pretty simple and pretty affordable. Number one, you want, if your skin isn't too sensitive, to start a topical retinol or retinoid. These are topical vitamin A molecules. Vitamin A actually it goes into the nucleus of our cells, that powerhouse of our cell, and it helps increase cell turnover. So these, cell, these uh, topicals can help with brown spots. They can help with photo damage. They can make your skin look better. The problem I see too is that people will start these retinoids and it does make you a little dry in the beginning. So you just need to get through those two to three weeks of what's called retinoid dermatitis. Give it some time and you'll see when you get through on the other side, your skin will definitely look better. Number two, you may want to supplement with some good vitamins. Um, as dermatologists, we love vitamin D. We love beta carotene. We love niacinamide. These are all different forms of vitamin A, B, and C. And, um, and D, and these can help with um, just kind of increasing that cell turnover on the inside. A few other things that are not terribly expensive, chemical peels, microdermabrasions, hydrofacials, these are all anywhere between the 100 to $300 range and can give you that deeper hydration and that plumping. Another topic uh, that comes up when we talk about skin aging is skin cancer. Do we see a higher rate of skin cancers as we age? Yes, for sure. I mean, unfortunately, we should all, we, we were all in Cro-Magnon times, probably dead by the time we were 30 to 40. So I should be gone. Maybe I'll leave now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but 
people are always like, oh, there's an epidemic of skin cancer. And it is true. It's because our population is aging. All of the sun damage we had when we were 12, 13, 18 years old is now showing itself. For myself, who's in, who I'm in my 40s, a lot of us in our in the 1990s and 2000s used tanning boots. So this is showing itself now. So as we age, our skin cells don't turn over. When you're two years old, you get a cut. It heals in an hour. When you're 90 years old, you get a cut. You die from it. So these cells are not turning over. So we are getting a lot more skin cancers. We're getting a lot more bumps and things like that. That can be, be prevented by going to your dermatologist. And you should have a great relationship with your dermatologist. If something comes up new, get that bump off before it becomes a big cancer. I think it would be helpful too to hear a quick summary of the different types of skin cancer and maybe what to look out for. Excellent question, Madeline. Um, so there's a lot of different types of skin cancer, but there are three that are the most common. We'll start with basal cell carcinoma, then we'll move on to squamous cell, and then we'll talk about the most deadly, which is melanoma. So basal cell carcinoma is the most common type of skin cancer. It arises from the hair follicle, so we see it kind of on face and other kind of more um, sun-exposed areas. There are more basal cell carcinomas diagnosed than all other internal cancers combined, so it's pretty common. Um, basal cell presents as a pearly, shiny type of bump, sometimes a non-healing ulcer. Basal cells, typically, 99.5% of them do not metastasize, so they don't spread, but they can grow locally, and people can die from local extension of basal cell getting into an artery or getting into a vein or conversely getting into a nerve and causing pain. So if you're having like something that's not healing over you know three, four months, you should get in with your dermatologist. The next most common type of skin cancer is called squamous cell, and that's actually on the rise. Squamous cell carcinomas present as, as kind of um, rough, almost warty types of areas. They can come in uh, something that's not healing as well. So again, look for those non-healing type of warty things. Scarily, squamous cells, particularly on the lip, on the ear, on the nose, those can metastasize and those can kill you. So anywhere between two to five out of 100 people can die of this type of skin cancer. Now moving on to melanoma. Many people have heard of melanoma. It is the most dangerous type of skin cancer because actually, interestingly, melanoma cells are kind of a hybrid between skin cells and nerve cells. So melanocytes, which are the pigment-producing cells, actually derive from the neural crest, which are brain tissues. And that's why melanoma, once it goes beyond the skin, it can spread pretty rapidly, Madeline. So we want to be cautious when we find anything that's changing, we want to get it off. Because if we get the, the pre-melanoma cells while they're still in the skin, they have not developed the honing mechanism to go to your lymph nodes or your nerves. All right. So if anyone's noticing a weird looking spot, uh, maybe that's new or changing, definitely go in and get that checked. From a preventative standpoint, how often should we be getting screened? Excellent question. So we look at risk factors when we're talking about screening for skin cancer. Are you fair skinned? Do you have light eyes? Do you typically burn? Do you have a family history of skin cancer? Interestingly, even darker skinned people, if they have a family history, are at higher risk. There are some medications called immunosuppressants that people take for psoriasis, arthritis, that can increase your risk for skin cancer. Also, if you had a history of another malignancy, breast cancer, leukemia, et cetera, you should get in and get screened. Typically, we'll see most people about once a year. If you have a high rate of skin cancer formation or a history of melanoma, we can see you anywhere between every three to six months. So you should get in pretty pretty frequently. Dr. Treen, thank you so much. I know this is going to be great for our audience just to learn more about skin aging, skin cancer. 
I want to provide you the opportunity to give any final recommendations, plugs, tips for interested students. Yeah, just anything else you might want to have, might want to share to conclude. So a couple little things. Um, Best ways to prevent skin cancer, avoid the midday sun, rays are strongest between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., schedule your outdoor activities at other times of the day. Um, Remember, you can even get a sunburn on a cloudy day or in winter. Number two, wear your sun protective clothing. As great as sunscreen is, we don't want all these chemicals on us at all times. So I'm a big believer in hats and sun protective clothing, even for my own children. Um, If you are going to be wearing sunscreen, do SPF 30 and above. We love mineral sunscreens as dermatologists. Zinc and titanium titanium are not absorbed actually into the skin. They sit as a protective barrier on top. Again, I'm really... I don't like a lot of chemicals on my kids' skin, so you want things that are just going to sit on top. Um, avoid your tanning beds, wear your sunglasses, and avoid sun-sensitizing medications, including antibiotics when you're going out in the sun because we see a lot of burns with those. Um, I One thing we didn't touch upon, I love topical antioxidants such as topical vitamin C. You can find topical vitamin C at the drugstore and it helps prevent against free radical damage. So all that DNA damage. So I always put on a topical vitamin C in the morning, especially if I'm on a tropical vacation. Now let's talk about final recommendations and plugs and tips for interested students. If you have a passion for dermatology and desire a career as a board certified dermatologist, study, study, study. It is a competitive specialty, but it is worth it. I am so happy 20 years into my career. So it is worth it. I always tell my children, I may have sacrificed my youth ever so slightly, but I'm really happy in my middle age. (laughs) Um, At Terrain Dermatology, we offer a competitive gap year program to provide um, medical students and PA students um, experience working in healthcare. So if you're interested in dermatology or a career in healthcare, I've had many people who come in who thought they were going to be a doctor and they end up being a pharmacist or conversely, they somebody who thought they were going to be a physical therapist and they end up being a dermatologist. So really, it's nice to get your feet in and see what it's like every day. For anyone currently in medical school, I re- definitely recommend doing research. I did extensive lab research um, between my first and second year of medical school and it helped me again understand studies and understand dermatology at a uh, more molecular level. For those on dermatology rotations, Get your dermatology rotations in at the beginning of your rotation cycle so everyone is fresh and knows you at the beginning. Always be the first one there. Be the last one to leave. Try to anticipate. I try to um, put this into all of the people who have ever rotated or um, uh, interned with me. Think what the next steps are. Don't just be you know, a rote employee. Think what is best for your patient and help your doctor because we are all in this together and it makes you a brighter person if you anticipate what's next. Um, When you're interviewing, be open-minded to all programs. I apply to every single dermatology residency in the United States because I knew I wanted to be a dermatologist. I would have gone anywhere. My husband still laughs at me. He's like, Mohiba, would you have really gone to Kansas City? And I said, yes, I would. (laughs) Barbecue and dermatology would be great. Um, Be yourself. Don't kiss butt. Be yourself. Let your true self come through. Thank you so much. I love all of that advice. It's incredibly pertinent. And as a medical student myself, I wholeheartedly agree um, with anticipating next steps and, you know, getting there early, being the last one to leave. Uh, That absolutely matters. Um, And again, Dr. Trina, I just want to thank you so much for um, being on Voices of Aging. Um, This has been wonderful. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC.
the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Follow Voices of Aging and ASIC on social media for more information about the episodes and guests on the podcast and to learn more about us as a student group. See you next time.